Amazing. Well, we're going to, um, just for a few minutes, think about this story um, a little bit more. And I have here um, a piece of thread. Uh, And I want you to imagine that this thread represents your life. This is your life. And every single one of us sitting in this room has got one. We've all got a thread. We've all got this life. And I wonder how you feel about this life that we've been given. See, I think we have a kind of double experience often of life. You see, I I guess most of us would say that life is precious. This, This was a gift to me. I didn't choose to be born. I didn't choose to get life. I didn't earn life. It was given to me. And in most cultures around the world and in most places across this planet, life is a sacred thing, right? Life is something precious. Life is something to be valued. We share this in common, and it's what gives us equal dignity and worth and value. All of us have life. We all have one. And we all got it the same way. So yeah, it's precious. But isn't there also a part of you that finds this quite a burden? Isn't there a part of you that finds yourself thinking, well, I've been entrusted with this life and it's my job to not mess it up. My job is to do the very best I can with this thing that I've been given. I've been entrusted with this precious gift, but now I've got to do something with it. And so we strive and we try and we, we attempt to achieve great things so that at the end of our lives we can say, I made the most of it. I did it well. I guess you could, you could put it like this, that we're trying to create a sort of a cross-stitch, not a cross-stitch, a sort of thing. Not very good at crafty stuff. I should be better at this at Christmas. Look, I've made one, all right? Here we go. Right? Um, I made this myself today using a piece of thread. You you, you can tell what it is. It's pretty good, right? (laughs) You're not impressed. I'm disappointed at the lack of, like, awe. No, no, it's too late now. No, no. That's just pity now. Look, it's like this, right? We've been given this life, and what we try to do is weave the very best picture we can. We try and achieve something that at the end we can go, oh, it's a fish. I'm quite pleased with that. And some people manage to take their life and really seem to weave something quite impressive. Some people, ah, mediocre. Some people, pretty rubbish. And we feel this pressure to do something with our lives and it can stress us out. Okay, let's talk about Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift has been voted, nominated, awarded Time Person of the Year for 2023. By all human accounts, Taylor Swift is doing all right. Isn't she? Surely there's some Swifties here. (laughs) More than I thought. Look, she is someone who has achieved a lot with her one threat. She's the person of the year. She's achieved greatness. She's broken 117 world records. 
She's achieved artistic greatness. She has written or co-written over 200 hit songs. She's achieved influential greatness. She has 270, oh, I can't remember, 277 million followers on Instagram. She's achieved relational greatness. She seems, what's her, uh, Travis Kels, Travis Him, some baseball player who no one had really ever heard of. Poor bloke. But now everyone goes to his ground. Sorry if you're a baseball fan. Perhaps you really think he's great. But there's all this stuff, and she's woven this thing. And Forbes has nominated her as the fifth most powerful woman in the world. Fifth. It's a bit disappointing, isn't it? Aren't you wondering who number one is? Don't you want to know who the first most powerful woman in the world is? It's Ursula van der Leyen. I don't think she's as wealthy as uh, Taylor Swift. But by all accounts, what I'm trying to say to you is that Taylor Swift has definitely taken her bit of thread and maxed it out. She's created a pretty impressive cross-stitch. By all accounts, Mary was not that great. Mary, when we first meet her in the Bible, was not impressive. She was not setting the world on fire by her intellectual prowess. She did not have an enormous following on social media. She was not solving the world's scientific problems. She was just a teenager, probably 15 years old, living in a very ordinary place called Nazareth, a place no one had ever heard of. Even her name, Mary. Do you know, at the time, 20% of women were called Mary in Mary's day. It wasn't even an interesting name. I mean, sorry. Oh, no, that's terrible. If you're here and you're called Mary, it's all changed. It's a great name. <laughs> oh, She's just very ordinary. Her love interest was a carpenter. She didn't write 200 songs, but she did write one. And here's the weird thing. 2,000 years later, we still sing her song. I don't think in 2,000 years' time that we will still be singing Shake It Off. I don't think we'll be gathering to say, I wonder what Taylor Swift meant when she said, haters gonna hate, hate, hate. <laughs> what did she mean by that? And yet here we are 2,000 years later taking this song that a nobody teenager in an ordinary place who was unimpressive wrote. And we take that song and we say, what did she mean? Because countless millions of people have found in the words of Mary's song something so much deeper and more profound than Taylor Swift has ever known and written. You see, Mary got a glimpse of a reality that set her soul on fire with joy. She saw something that made her heart sing. And what she saw was that this isn't the main issue. That true joy 
is not found in writing the greatest story. True joy is finding that you are part of the greatest story. And when Mary discovered that switch, when she realized it wasn't just about her and her little life, but it was actually about a much bigger story that she was caught up in, her heart burst forth in joy. So I want to invite you to look again at Mary's song. If you've got one of these, these zines, and if you turn to page 20, it's there, so you can see it for yourselves. I'd love you to just have a look at this with me for a few minutes. Let's listen to the lyrics of Mary's song. She says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. What she's saying is that something has happened to her that has caused her not a superficial joy, but a deep soul joy. A a, a joy that is lasting. A joy that is solid. Not not the joy of a bowl of ice cream that you kind of eat and it's joyful, joyful that it's gone, but a joy that is solid. Mary has discovered this joy, and the joy she's found is in God. That's what she says. She talks about God, my Savior. And you can split this, um, this song into two bits. The first half, Mary says, I'm singing for joy because of what God has done for me, because this is my story. I've been included in this story. And then in the second half, she says, I'm singing for joy because this story that I've been included in is the great story that God is doing through all of human history. Let's just look at that quickly. Mary says, this is my story. My little life, my little thread has been caught up in this greater reality. Look, I'm joyful because God has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. She says, he noticed me. God noticed me. It's an extraordinary thing to be noticed, right? To be noticed by someone who's significant. To be noticed by someone who's important and they notice you. It's a horrible thing to be ignored. We once had a birthday party for one of our kids. And all the... um, you know, all the children came and they, we played some games and all that sort of stuff. And at the end, we sent them all home with party bags, except for one kid. We just, we just didn't see her. We just didn't notice. It's terrible. I feel bad acknowledging it now. But this little girl, Izzy, she just didn't, she didn't get a present. She didn't say anything. She just went home sad. That's a sad story, isn't it, for Christmas? It's got no happy ending. That's it. <laughs> a terrible story. Reality is we hate to be ignored. And here is Mary saying, the God of the universe has noticed me. He's been mindful of me. Okay, why? Why has God noticed Mary? Is it because she's so awesome? Is it because she's great? Is it because he's so impressed by her? No, she says, he's been mindful of my humble state. He noticed me when I'm not all that. 
This is the great message of Christmas. The God that we read of in the Bible, the God who created everything, he notices the humble. God is not impressed by the things that we're impressed with. God sees Mary. And he doesn't just see her. Look what she says next. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. So he notices her and he blesses her. He blessed her. Of course, that's a big word, right? Blessed. That really is an important word. And we heard earlier, right back near the start of our time together, from Abraham. And God said to Abraham, I will bless you. I will bless you. You know, Abraham was a nobody. He lived in, okay, get this, right? He lived in a land called Ur. Can you imagine a more unimpressive sounding place? What should we call this place? Uh, great. That'll do. He's from Ur. No one knows him. He's not doing anything. And God says, I will bless you. I will bless you. And God shows this man, Abraham, and through his family, this great story where God says, I will bless you. I will pour out my love on you. I will protect you. You will be mine. You will be my treasured possession. And it was Abraham. And it was Hannah. And it was Ruth. And it was David. And it was Mary. Look, I... I, I really want to communicate to you today what an extraordinary thing it is. If you feel like you are a nobody, if you feel like no one is really interested in you, if you feel like your life is dull, if you feel like you're unimpressive, here is the great news. God notices people like you. He sees you. And he sees you in order that he might bless you. That's his great purpose. That he might welcome you into his family. That you might become his child. That you might know his love. That he might say, this one is mine. And then she says, the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He noticed me, he blessed me, and he's done great things for me. Well, all that Mary's experienced so far is God, through an angel, telling her that she's about to have a baby, a baby who's going to be the king forever. And rather than freak out, Mary says, that is a great thing he's done for me. Because Mary knows that the baby that will be born, the baby that she carries in her womb, is the king. The king who would come to save Mary and come to save all who will trust him. And Mary says, me, little me, I'm part of this story. He noticed me, he blessed me, he's done great things for me. From me will come a king. I hope you can see what an extraordinary thing it is that God would use Mary. But then her song takes a swift, a swift, nah, a switch. It's on the brain. And she's... Moves from talking about me and my, my, he's done great things for me, holy is his name. She now says, and that's what God is always like. So look what she says next. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. She says, this is what God has always done. What God has done for Mary is what God has always done through history. 
to all those who will fear him. That doesn't mean to be terrified of him. It means to say, you are God. You are great. And I'm small. To all who will fear him, God notices, blesses, and does great things. But there's a warning here. Look, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. You see, those who want to be impressive, those who want to say, no, 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 this is my life. No, 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 this is what I will do. I will create my picture. And I will create something awesome. Those who want to lift themselves up, God will bring them down. That's that's what Mary sang. This is how God always operates. It's so different to our world. Look, in our world, everybody wants to go up, yes? That's the game, right? We're all trying to go up. We're all trying to climb up. You teach your kids that, right? In school, right? We told Incy Wincy Spider climbed up the water spout, right? Because up is good. Oh, down came the rain and washed poor Incy out. Oh, no, poor Incy, he's gone down. Never mind, he's going to have another go. Come on, children, let's go up. And then you have snakes and ladders, and you go up the ladders. Oh, no, down the snakes. And then S Club 7 come along and sing, reach for the stars. We want to go up, right? It's all up. Everything's up. And God says, the way to be blessed is to go down, not up. It is to say, it's not about me. It's not about how impressive I am. Because honestly, I'm not that impressive. Honestly, I get things wrong all the time. Do you know Taylor Swift's song, Antihero? I won't sing it. But the chorus says this, it's me, hi, I'm the problem. It's me. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. And actually you get this little window into that tension in the human heart. That even as I try to go up, even as I try to create this amazing life, even as I try to achieve everything and try to show the world how great I am, there's something in me that goes, but I'm the problem. I feel insecure. I feel like an imposter. I feel like a fraud all the time. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. And that's exactly right. We do have a problem, and the problem is us. The problem is that we are proud and want to achieve for ourselves. We want to make a name for ourselves. We want to be great. And God says, That is not the way to be blessed. Those who want to make a name for themselves will be scattered, will be shattered, will be brought down. But those who know they're the problem, those who are humble, those who come saying, please help me, God says, I will lift you up. Mary, I will lift you up. She says it again. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the Rich away empty. You come this afternoon saying, I don't need anything from God. I've got everything I need. I'm sorted. My life's awesome. You come to God like that, he will send you away empty. He has nothing for you. You come to God saying, I'm in trouble. 
I've made a mess of my life. I've done things wrong. The things I feel ashamed of. He says, come to me. I will fill you. I will fill you. I will fill you. This is how God works. He does not reward the high achievers. He rescues those who are lowly. This is what he does. And that is exactly how Jesus lived his life. Every day of his life, Jesus chose to go down, not up. Every day of his life, Jesus chose to empty himself, not to fill himself. Every day of his life, Jesus chose to serve people, not to be served. Every day of his life, Jesus went down until eventually, at the age of 33, he was nailed to a cross and went to the very lowest place and died. And the reason that the baby died was so that you could be lifted up. This is what God does. He lifts up the humble. He feeds the hungry. He loves the unlovely. This is what he does. It's beautiful. That's what Mary sang. And she finishes by saying, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. She says, this is my story. This is my song. The story that starts all the way back with Abraham. Mary's now part of that story. And here's the cool thing tonight. You could be too. You could be part of that story. Because the story still continues. Because the baby that was born, who died, he rose again. He is king of kings. And to all who will come to him, he says... I'll notice you, and I will bless you, and I will do great things for you. To all who come to him, with empty hands, but to the proud, to the arrogant, to those who say, no, I'm happy, I'll sort my own life out, thanks. He sends them away empty. So this Christmas, that is the choice we all face. Do we come to this king, humble and empty, and say, please fill me? Or do we reject him and say, I don't want you? I'll do it myself. What we're going to do is um, I'm going to invite a friend of mine called Vasine to come up because I want to show you. We've heard from Abraham and from David and from Hannah and Ruth and Mary, figures from history, but this story still continues. And I want to introduce you to Vasine, who's a member of the church here. And she is part of this story, just like Mary was. And she's going to come and just share a little bit of her story. I shouldn't be here. Imagine this, sharp pains at 4 a.m., life-changing news at 11, emergency surgery by noon. They rush you downstairs to theatre. You see all of the lights and you can't help but think this curtain call has come too soon. You ask yourself, will I make it to Christmas this year? That was my story. That person in the hospital bed was me. But come and see what God has done. He has done great things for me. Not just that day, but every day. He says to me, my child, do not be afraid. Psalms 9.9 says that Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. 
and those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. His grace and mercy gave me roots and wings that day and every day. His love endures forever. Jesus has come for me, forgiven me, restored me, and now my life is part of his great story. To be a part of this year's Christmas story is God's great gift to me. And that's it. That's the story. The great story from beginning to end. The great story of what God is doing in this world. Noticing, blessing, doing great things. Taking the lowly and lifting them up. This Christmas, that could be you. Why don't we pray and then we're going to sing uh, a final carol. Heavenly Father, thank you for Christmas. We thank you so much that it's not about how hard we work or how much we achieve, but it is about what you have done. Thank you for your great story. And Father, we pray this Christmas that we may find our part in your great story, that we might know the freedom of not having to create our own awesome story, but that we might know the joy of being part of your perfect story. So Father, please help us this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.